Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Two of you that recognize that it's easy to become satisfied. I think God is so good to us so often that uh, we take it for granted and we take for granted that there's more in him. Uh, God is a God of layers. We're, we're never going to fully get a full glimpse of everything he's capable of in this lifetime. But he's got so much more. And I don't want us individually or corporately to ever take that for granted. And I don't want you to come in here and think, well, I'll just go through the motions and not pull on him. He's got more. How many of you feel blessed this morning? All right. How many of you understand there's more blessing than what you've already experienced? Right? And so we want more. I'm not satisfied. I want more. And I've got a long history with him, but I, I, I just think I need more. Amen? And so I just challenge you in the coming weeks that we just press for that. Uh, as we uh, worship together. Well, we have been in a series now. This is the sixth week. It seems longer than that because it was broken up a couple times by some different things that we were doing, but we're going to try to wrap this up today. I started thinking about this whole climate and weather thing this week um, as I was uh, reading back over my notes as we're going to wrap up, and I suddenly recognized in my own life that some of my earliest memories are wrapped around weather. I had a grandmother on my, my, my dad's mom who was terrified of weather. Uh, she would see a, a, a cloud on the horizon the size of a man's hand, and she would grab us, and we would run for the cellar. I'm not joking. Anytime we spent the night with her, we just knew that if it was one cloud in the sky, we were gone. It was going to be across the street into the neighbor's cellar. My other vivid memory of weather is uh, one time my earliest memory of a tornado was I can still remember standing in ankle-deep water in our cellar because it leaked and uh, watching two tornadoes approaching our house, but my dad being out outside the cellar at the top of the steps watching. And I'm like, come on, Dad, get in. And then I realized I do the same thing now. I put my kids in the cellar, and I stand outside, like, looking up in the sky, like, I, uh, weather, weather, weather. I don't understand all that. But but uh, I, I have submitted to you that I feel like that this has been a word uh, for our body individually, for us as individuals and us corporately. I don't want us to, to, to miss this. This is not just a series. In fact, I want to submit this to you this morning, that what we've been talking about really is the jumping off point for a journey that we must take together. We've been talking about some hard stuff, and I don't want you to feel like that once we stop, I stop preaching a series called Climate Change, that it, that's it. We've accomplished, it's over, we move on to something else, because if we get to that point where I feel like we're doing that, I'm probably going to come and re-preach the whole thing over again, word for word. Not going to change nothing. Just going to preach it word for word until we get it. Uh, because this is a journey we're on. And we've got to get this right. Because as I've mentioned, we confuse weather with climate. And so often what happens is the same weather rolls back into our life over and over again with momentary pauses or momentary or seasonal breaks. But we never address the, the climate of our life. 
so therefore the weather rolls back in. I'll use my own family as an example. I got word, uh, I, I asked y'all to help me pray. He was on my movers list, list. He gave his heart to the Lord right before he passed away over the last three months of his life as he was battling throat cancer. Uh, my cousin uh, who uh, was an alcoholic from the time he was 18 until three months before he passed away, uh, alcohol and drugs, uh, but he would never address the climate of his life, and so now his son is doing the same exact thing because he won't deal with climate. The weather rolls back in. This is not just for you. I'm, I'm challenging you individually for you, but beyond that, I'm challenging you to face and, and adjust the climate of your life, not just for you, but so that your children and our children won't have to battle the same patterns of weather 15 years later. So we're, we're, we're assaulting this concept of let's just get the weather quiet for a little while. There's peace in my day. Do you know in the Old Testament that a word came to the children of Israel that, that they, they were going to be uh, in bondage and destruction, but there was going to be peace in there? They said that the, it's a good word from God. No, it wasn't. The word was you're going to go into bondage, but they said it's a good word because there's going to be peace in our day. They didn't even care that the word was going to move forward into the next generation and their children were going to face bondage. They didn't even care. They were so selfish. They were as long, long as there's no bad weather in my day, I'm all right with it. Let my kids deal with the climate. Forget that mess. Let's deal with the climate so that our children will inherit a great climate and have weather better than what we faced. That's what we need to do. And so we begin to assault the fact that we've got, we cannot complain about weather that the climate of our life produces. And so we went into Romans chapter 12 in a whole new light in, in the, this concept that Paul starts the chapter in the verses we like, Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2, that you know so well where he says, I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There he goes. He's talking about how we adjust the climate. The first of adjusting your climate is changing how you think and then we always stop right there and we never move forward but we begin to go through uh, Romans chapter 12 verses 3 through 21 and we begin to outline articulate for you if you will try to describe so that we can actually begin to do the hard work what replacing the climate of our life right now would look like if we replace it with kingdom climate we're called to operate in kingdom climate climate. Okay, so I listed them for you, and here's where we've been. We said that kingdom climate dictates that we're connected, that we serve, that there's sincere love, means without wax, means genuine. When we say we love one another, we don't just say it. We actually show people that we love them by our actions. We love good. It means I believe the best about you. I won't hang on to what's bad about you or what somebody says about you. I will believe what's good about you. I will hang on to that. We've said that we should be loyal. I'm with you for the long haul, not just during the good days. We're here together. We're loyal to one another. We should honor one another, not based on title or position we honor each other because we're a life source to each other and that was all kindergarten that was the easy stuff 
Because I told you last week in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 11, Paul stops right in the middle of, of, of outlining kingdom climate for us. And he says that if you are going to pull off the rest, you need to check your spiritual fervor. You need to get a double dose of the Holy Spirit. You need to ramp up because you, will, you might get kindergarten done, but you will never get into grad school and complete if you don't have more of the Holy Ghost working in you. Because then he said these things. Kingdom climate means that we're joyful. Joyful. That means you ought to smile about right now. It doesn't matter what you're going through. doesn't give you a, off the hook if you had a bad day. doesn't mean if you're melancholy. I, I, I've got to allow the Holy Spirit to override all that and produce joy in me because it's my strength, because it shows where God is, because I read to you that one of the signs that God is in the house and that God is in your life is that He anywhere He is, there's joy. All right. Second, we said that we should be, uh, this isn't second, it's uh, whatever that number is, patient in affliction. Eight, patient in affliction. Not just us going through trials. I talked to you about this. This is about how we deal with one another. I become very patient in your affliction. In other words, if you're not recovering and you're not healing as fast as I like, and if you're not as, as victorious as I am right now, i got to step back and i got to become patient with you in your affliction. It means I don't avoid your calls. It means I don't turn your Facebook posts off. It means I don't get out of your presence when you come. I know all you want to talk about your pain right now, but I love you so much, sincere love. I love you so much that I become very patient with you in your affliction. And then he said, we become faithful in prayer. How many of you have prayed for somebody in this body that you're not related to this week? About 22, 30. All right, the rest of you are out of luck. Nobody, you didn't pray for nobody, so you reap what you, never mind. Okay, um, we're, we're supposed to allow the Holy Spirit to design a prayer list in us. I'm supposed to pray for my wife and my children and my father and my mother and all that. But, but Paul's saying go one step beyond that now and become faithful in prayer for one another. Then he said we should share with those in need, not those in want, not, not one of those uh, people that you saw on Facebook this week. Did you all see the report of the, the, the street lady that's on the, the, man, the guy just lit her up. He'd given her money every day for a week, foregone his own lunches, gave her all of his money, and she pulls up in a brand new car, and he catches her, and he, he, wasn't, he wasn't real kingdom climate about it either. He lit her up. That we don't deal with, we're not called to perpetuate a climate of laziness. We are called to have a climate where we help those in need. And then, last but not least, last week we talked about being hospitable. And I talked to you about the fact that you cannot expect people's hearts to be changed if you won't talk to them in the lobby and you won't sit by them and you won't extend to them any hospitality because it's our hospitality that prepares their heart for change. You can literally unpreach my message before I ever preach. Okay, so since we've gone this deep, we're going to keep going, and I know and I recognize that this is foreign territory, but it is a necessary climate change. And so what we're going to do is we're going to wrap this up, and I'm going to keep going. And in the next few verses, there are six more characteristics of kingdom climate. Now, don't get nervous because I'm going to lump three of them together. All right, so we're going to make it. Just hang on. 
So go with me, if you will, to Romans chapter 12, and we're going to finish this out starting in verse 14, and we're going to go down through 21. Listen to what Paul says. He says, here are the rest of the kingdom climate characteristics. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Verse 16, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Listen to it out of the Message Bible real quick, just a portion of it. Bless your enemies, no cursing under your breath. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Share tears when they're down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be a great somebody. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. If you've got it in you, get along with everybody. Don't insist on getting evil. even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. Mm, kingdom climate. Number 12. Kingdom climate dictates that we become a group of people that bless. That bless. Let me see if I can help you. We need to go back and reread verse 14. Because what most of us do is we operate in pseudo-kingdom climate. Y'all know what pseudo means, right? Fake. It's not real. Has elements of truth, but not the truth. Because what we do is we bless those people that we like. And we bless, we, we don't have any problem blessing people that we love. And we don't have any uh, problem blessing people that treat us properly. But what Paul says, kingdom climate is apparent and it is an operation when we grow up to the place where we actually bless those that we consider to be enemies. I knew it would get quiet in here. See, one version says it like this. Bless those who harass you. See, the word bless here is a Greek word, and I'm, I'm going to butcher it, but here we go. The, the word that Paul uses here for bless is the word eulageo, which is the word from which we get our English word, check this out, eulogy. Y'all know what a eulogy is. It's where we stand up and tell all the good stuff about somebody, right? Paul is saying that what it means then is that we are to speak well of. Did you get what he just said to us? He's saying that kingdom climate is when we speak well of those who not only speak badly about us, but actually persecute and harass us. If we are going to establish kingdom climate, when they treat us like that, we make a conscious decision to bless them. Let me help you. This means that not only do they talk smack about us, but they actually take action to produce pain in our lives. Y'all have anybody like that in your life? Paul says that the action in our response should be to bless them. What that means is is that, that someone who is an enemy, I begin to call the blessings of God onto them, and I refuse to do to them what they are doing to me. 
Now, let me, let me make it real practical for you what that means. That means then, if I'm operating in kingdom climate, and someone has done me wrong or is doing me wrong, they, they consider themselves to be an enemy, and even I would say they are an enemy to my life. They want to produce pain. They're trying to produce destruction. Then what that means then is that I make a choice that I will bless them. Here it is. Check this out. And if that's true, if I'm going to operate in kingdom climate and I'm going to bless them, then I cannot be upset when I see people who are persecuting me experiencing blessing. Because what's taking place is I am actually producing the blessing in their life and they don't even know it. Y'all missed that whole thing right there. I'm blessing them and they don't even know it. In other words, I am responsible for bringing that to pass. So when a person that is harassing me or persecuting me wants to flaunt their blessings in front of me, I know y'all don't have anybody in your life like this, but, but, but somebody that you came, that they have done everything in their power, everything in their ability to destroy you, and now to heap onto that, what they want to do is they want to flaunt their blessings in front of you. You shouldn't get angry about the fact that they're blessed. You ought to take credit for it. I produced that in you, and you didn't even know it. Y'all going to get this. See, you ought to be able to look at them and say, you don't even know that you're so messed up in your own mindset that you don't even recognize that you don't even have any favor on your life. The only favor you have in your life is, is I am directly responsible for the climate of my life, and the climate of my life is now producing weather in your life that you're not even responsible for. Okay, y'all, 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 y'all struggling. See, uh, the truth is, is that my favor, favor is rubbing off on you, and I can't get mad at the weather that my climate creates. Paul is trying to teach us that kingdom climate creates weather in people we don't even like, and that don't even like us. That's why. When you go to your job and your boss is entirely evil, your company is still being blessed, not because of your boss, but because you're there and the favor of God rests upon you and you choose to operate in kingdom climate. Therefore, all the other employees and your evil boss to boot are being blessed because of you. That's a different way of looking at it, isn't it? Okay, let's get real for a second. That means your ex that you can't stand and they can't stand you. And you know they're evil. And they ought to be cursed because they're so evil. But instead, it seems like even though they're not pursuing God and even though they've never asked you forgiveness and probably never will and even though they continue to treat you bad... You get angry at God because you still see God's blessings on them and you can't figure out why. Let me tell you why. You. They're being blessed because of if you're operating in kingdom climate, they're being blessed not based on their merit, based on your merit. Y'all, y'all, y'all ain't getting this. You're, they're connected to you. Okay. Y'all didn't like that one because what y'all wanted me to get up here and say was just curse them and let them die and then tell God that somebody else killed them. That's, that, no, that's not kingdom climate. He goes on and next one, 
ties into this. I'm going to do them out of order, but uh, it ties in so much that we've got to see it. Because the, sec- the, the next one that we have to deal with then is that Paul says, if you're going to bless people, then you can have no revenge. In other words, Paul says we've got to become so determined to be a blessing that we create a climate of blessing so that I don't hit back. No revenge. Here's the truth this morning. You, need to, you just need to say amen. Just You're going to feel better if you say amen right here. It isn't that I can't hit back. Oh, I could hit back. Believe me. I, you, don't, you ought to look at somebody sometimes and say, you don't even know. I could, one punch, just, just give me one punch. That's all. But Paul says, kingdom climate goes, you know what? You have the ability to hit back, but you choose not to. It, it isn't that I can't think of anything to say, because how many of you know, I could come up with something to say. I choose not to. And the choice not to makes me the stronger person in this thing. I'm operating in kingdom climate. You say what you want to say. You strike all you want to. But you don't understand. I'm operating in a different climate because I want different weather. So therefore, I refuse to take any revenge. I just need to remind you of a couple things this morning. I need to remind you that although we may be on the jury, we are not the judge. We don't get to carry out any sentence. What happens is this. When we take revenge... What it does is it reveals a lack of trust in God. Because God said in this passage, I'll take care of it. And if you take matters into your own hands, then you must not trust God. Okay, it's quiet in here this morning. When we try to do God's job, we should not be surprised when it circles back around and the revenge that we sow is the revenge that we reap. Listen, some of you this morning can't even bless anybody because you are so consumed with the concept of revenge that you have no ability to operate in a climate change, a kingdom climate. You can't bless anybody because all you can do is you literally spend hours plotting the demise, rehearsing the destruction of the one that hurts you. And I just need to tell you this morning, this whole, I will, I will say this the next time. I should have said this, this, this time way of living will keep you in bondage. Your desire for revenge means that the truth is that the only person that ends up in captivity is you. It's keeping you up at night. It's keeping you from enjoying your kids. It's keeping you from enjoying life. It's keeping you from enjoying your grandchildren. You're so consumed with the need for revenge that, listen, they're not staying up at night. They're not missing. It's you. No revenge. Paul is basically saying this. He's saying you ought to be a huge fan of Frozen, and you ought to let it go. Why is it that Christians can't seem to let stuff go? I'm just going to be straight up with you. I meet people all the time, Christian believers all the time, that when you really start digging, they will talk about something that happened to them 30 years ago, and they're so consumed with revenge today 
So in other words, Paul is saying this. He understood that the climate of revenge will produce the weather of anger. It will produce the weather of ulcers. It will produce the weather of insomnia. It will produce the weather of sickness. That's what, that's what having a climate of revenge in your life will do. So let me, let me challenge you this morning. Quit fantasizing about the pain that you will inflict. Can I remind you of a story in the Old Testament? It's the story of Joab. Do you remember the story of Joab? I've talked about it before. Joab and his brother are chasing Abner. And Abner's escaping and Abner's begging Joab's brother to stop chasing him and he won't. And in an act of self-defense, he runs his spear, the butt end of his spear, through Joab's brother. And over the course of months or even a year later, Abner comes and signs a treaty, an agreement with David. But Joab is so consumed by the need for revenge that even though he didn't, he wasn't there while the deal was brokered, he finds out about it and he ambushes Abner in acting like everything's okay and he stabs Abner and kills him and the result of taking revenge is that when David is off the scene and Solomon comes into power he has Joab killed Joab could have been a person of influence in the kingdom Joab could have been a great person of help to Solomon but instead Solomon goes this man is so consumed by revenge that God has said kill him some of you could have great influence and be a great help. But you're locked up in revenge. Kingdom climate says. That we feed those that we're angry with. And it frustrates them. We freak them out with our goodness. Let me help you. Some of, see, some of you will never overcome evil. Because you don't overcome evil with evil. Let me tell you this morning, the climate of evil produces the weather of evil. Let me help you. We overcome the weather of evil with the climate of good. No revenge. Now here's the next three that he, I'm going to lump together. It's a three-headed monster that we have to address and destroy in our life. He says this, there can be no jealousy. He says we should be empathetic. And he should, says there should be no pride. Let me help you this morning by saying this. I can't address all three of these separately as if they're not tied together because I need you to understand that there is no way to be empathetic, which means to put yourself in someone else's place if you're filled with jealousy and pride. And likewise, there's no way to address pride in our lives if we don't deal with jealousy and the lack of empathy. They're interconnected. These three are interconnected. you got to deal with these three. Paul is declaring that the kingdom climate says that I am so concerned for you that I don't despise you when you're blessed. I don't look at your blessed life and your blessed marriage and your blessed job and your blessed kids and secretly wish that I had your job and I had your spouse and I had your children. Now Paul says that we become empathetic so that when I see the fact that you're blessed, I actually get this, I cheer when you're blessed. I become, I go get pom-poms and I stand on the sidelines of your life and when you get a promotion that I wanted and was passed over for eight times, when I see you get it, I stand on the sidelines and go, and celebrate. 
I don't whisper under my breath and go, well, that was my promotion they got, and I don't like them now because I, I had put in for that long before they did, and I work harder than they do. But he goes on, he says, when I see you in pain, when I see you in distress, when I see that you're broken, I am so mindful of you that I mourn when you mourn. I feel your pain. Okay, homework. Here's your homework this afternoon. I need you to go home. Seriously now, this is your homework. I need you to go home and find a hammer. Now, if you're like at my house, I'll have to get my kids to go find the hammer because they seem to lose every tool I've ever bought in my whole life. So go borrow a hammer from your neighbor. Go out onto your front porch and lay your thumb down on the porch and take the hammer. If you can't do it, ask your wife to do it. She'll gladly do it. Uh, go lay your thumb down on the front porch and whoever is man enough or woman enough to do it, take the hammer, rear back, and smash your thumb as hard as you possibly can. Everybody that will do the homework today, say amen. Okay, I know you're not going to do that. But... I just want to see if it's possible that you can do that and the rest of your body ignore the pain and not respond. I've discovered that when I smash my thumb, every nerve ending in my entire body responds. The pain of that thumb gets down into my feet and somehow, even though it was my thumb that got smashed, something happens in my toes and stuff starts like squeezing and I have to jump and I have to hop and it gets into my it, it gets into into my eyes and so so even though it wasn't my eyes nobody poked me in the eye they they smashed my thumb tears begin to stream down my face i can't help it and for some of you it gets into your mouth and although that sounds ridiculous that is kingdom climate described to a T so that when I see you going through pain, I can't help it. I have to respond. I'm not going to come and give you some cliche, oh, it's always hard, it'll all be better in the morning, joy comes in the morning. No, I'm literally going to get along next side of you, beside you, and wrap my arm around you. And if you're crying, I'm crying. And if you're struggling, I'm struggling. And you're not walking through this thing alone because I feel what you feel. He says, no pride. we got to let go of pride. Pride's a two-edged sword, if you will. It can make you elevate yourself in your own mind so that you aren't mindful or careful of anybody else. You're so caught up in you. Just doing me. That you can't feel empathy for anyone else. But there's another edge to, to pride, too. The other side of pride is that that you are so proud and that you're so caught up in what other people may think that you will never allow anybody to know that you're hurting. Because I'm trying to fake everybody out and make them think I got it all together and your world's falling apart. And because we get caught up in pride, we, we negate the ability of the body to respond. Pride isolates us. Jealousy and pride 
causes us to have no empathy. And Paul is saying, if you're going to produce climate change, you have got to deal with these three things. And you've got to kill jealousy. And you've got to kill pride so that empathy will rise up. So that now I rejoice with you when you're rejoicing and I mourn with you when you're mourning. I'm concerned. I wasn't going to go here, but I'm going to go here. We have people in our own body, and maybe because of pride they don't let anybody know, but not always. There are people in our own body that have issues in their life. Some of them have suffered significant loss. And most of us are unaware of it, or we find out about it and we do nothing. That's not kingdom climate. How much effort does it require to write a little card? How much effort does it requ- is required to send a text? How much effort is required to pick up the phone? How much effort is required to see them on Sunday morning knowing they've had a horrible week? And now I'm patient in your affliction. I saw you posted on Facebook. You had a horrible week. And rather than walking in just ignoring it, I actually walk over and go, man, I feel for you. But I got to get my coffee, Steve. Kingdom climate. Finally, he says this. He says, aren't y'all glad? Finally, 17. You're not going to be happy when you hear this one. It's a hard one to end on. He says, kingdom climate means there'll be harmony. How many of you are honest enough to be real and admit that there are some folks in the family that aren't always easy to get along with? Okay, I'm not talking about your family. I'm just talking about my family. I ain't giving you any names, but I'm just telling. How many of you know that in your own natural family there are some people? Okay, I got one honest. I got four honest people in the whole room. The others aren't honest because you got them in the house and you don't want them to know that you're talking about them. Okay. That's true in This family, too. Paul puts the ball in our court, and he says this. Catch this. Please don't miss this. As long as it depends on you, stay in harmony. He does not say stay in harmony based on someone else reciprocating your efforts. Boy, if they'd be nice, I'd be nice. If they'd get along with me, I'd get along with them. If they'd speak to me, I'd speak to them. That's not what he says. He he doesn't say, stay in harmony if the other person makes it easy. No, he says, as long as it is possible with you. He puts the responsibility of creating and maintaining a climate of peace on each and every one of us. So here's the question. Will you run into someone that is impossible to be at peace with? And my answer is only if you live long enough. If you haven't met that person yet, it will happen. But until that day happens, Paul paints us into a corner and he says if it is at all possible, make every effort, every attempt, go to the end of the earth to create a climate and keep a climate of peace. 
So let me be very real with you. The problem is, is that most of us do very little to keep peace. We make it possible, rather, to stay in turmoil. I'm preaching right now. We make it possible to stay angry. We make it possible to stay heated. We choose. We do this on purpose. We choose certain words. We choose certain topics. We take particular and planned actions that we know ahead of time will disrupt peace. And then we are shocked when the storm of, uh, of turmoil rose into the horizons of our life when we made no efforts to keep peace. In other words, Paul's saying this. Kingdom climate dictates that we do everything in our own power and under the power of the Holy Spirit, which means we walk away, we bite our tongue, we keep our opinions to ourselves, we resist anger, I give up my rights, and I do all of that so that I can keep harmony. Challenge. Work harder at keeping peace than you do to keep things stirred up. Quit stirring the pot. Too many of us stir things up. We justify it by this. We go, well, I didn't start it. But we are not keeping harmony if we keep it going once it started. Proverbs says that there are seven things that God hates. How many of you want God to hate you? I don't. I want God to love me. Proverbs says there are seven things that God hates. You ought to go read the list sometime to make sure you're not in any of those. But one of them is, is he says, I hate when somebody stirs up strife. Check this out. God's a God of love. He doesn't hate anything. Yes, he does. I don't know God if y'all don't think he hates some things. He said, I hate it. I hate it. When people stir up strife. Okay. Listen, I recognize that some people are easier to be in relationship with other, than others. I even understand that it is a part of life that you are going to hang out with and be closer to some people than you are with others. Even Jesus did that. My concern is, is that if we're not careful, what we do is we allow preferences to turn into prejudices. I'm tweet myself. That was pretty good. We, we allow our, our preferences to become our prejudices. So harmony is broken because I prefer that I, my preference is, is that you would talk like this. And since you don't talk like this, I prefer that. But if I'm not careful, it now becomes a prejudice. And if you don't talk like I want you to, Harmony is broken because I prefer a particular kind of music. And if you don't like or perform the same kind of music that I like, then I'm not careful. Then my preference becomes a prejudice and I'll dismiss you. Harmony is broken because I prefer a group of people and it morphs. We, we, call it into, we call it preference, but it has morphed into prejudice and therefore it has morphed into sin. So... I need to help you this morning. I need everybody listen to me. Getting ready to lay groundwork right here, and then I'm going to get out of your way. This has got to be how we operate here. Listen to me. I need you to understand that I am not loyal to, I am not fighting for, 
I am not promoting any other culture but kingdom culture. This is not a black thing. This is not a white thing. This is not a male thing. This is not a female thing. This is not a Jew thing. This is not a Gentile thing. This is not a, a, a Republican thing or a Democrat thing. This is a culture, a kingdom culture thing. I am called to promote kingdom culture. So quit talking about prejudices towards styles and quit, quit talking about prejudices towards a certain sound. The question is not, do I like the sound? The question is, is it kingdom sound? Okay. Quit talking about prejudice, about being with a certain group of people. The question is, is this a kingdom group? And if it's a kingdom group, then I cannot be prejudiced against it, and I will spend my time with those people. Listen, we, listen. We fight for racial reconciliation and equality. We fight for gender uh, equality. And I understand that all of that is, I'm so thankful for it that it is guaranteed by our great nation's constitution. And I understand why, and even though I have never felt the sting of bigotry, and I have never felt the sting of being thought less of because I'm, I'm not a, a, since I'm a man and I seem to have rights that some females don't, I, under, I, I don't feel all that, I, don't, I haven't experienced all that, I understand it, and I believe we ought to stand for it, but I want you to understand that I do not want us to settle short of what God says, and God's design trumps our constitution and goes to an entirely higher level there is no race there is no gender there is no political party we should we spend our time fighting and holding on to our culture and we we fail to realize that we are no longer called to further our culture but to establish kingdom culture we should be warring for kingdom reclamation which is this, on earth as it is in heaven. Listen, what that means then is I don't, I shouldn't have to ever come to church worried about whether or not one of my black brothers or sisters is going to be, somebody's going to say something off color to them because I don't even see color, I see soul. And I shouldn't have to worry about reverse racism either. Not in the kingdom. I shouldn't have to worry about that when I let a female grab this microphone. I ain't going on that Sunday because there's a woman preaching. Get over yourself. This is a kingdom thing. See, I want us to be colorblind. And gender blind when it comes to these things. But listen, I refuse. I refuse to let us be kingdom blind. Harmony. Harmony. Think about the results of a climate change when we get everything in harmony. God declares the only time that I've ever discovered one place where he says there is a commanded blessing. Do you know where it was? In the place of unity. That means my, my black brothers and sisters can sing 
when the song is so stinking lily white, there's no rhythm to it. I have to clap on beat. I hate it. But it's a kingdom sound. And then when we bust out the, the Hammond, and I wish we'd bust it out, come on, somebody, learn to play. Uh, and, and, and there's some groove to it. All my white folks are going to go, well, I don't know, man. I can't even find the rhythm to beat on. That sounds like that music I hear going down the road with the top down there thumping it. Give me a break. If it's a kingdom sound, then forget about your preferences if they've turned into prejudices. Listen, you have a choice. You can either be in harmony and experience a commanded blessing or you can stir stuff up and experience God's hate. And it all comes down to one thing. Climate. Climate. So here it is, all 17 of them, now in order. Connected. Serving. Sincere love. Love good. Loyal, honor, joyful, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, shares, hospitality or hospitable, bless, no jealousy, empathetic, no pride, in harmony, and no revenge. Welcome to grad school. This is hard stuff. But we got to get this right. So let me finish like I finished every week. What if everyone blessed like you bless? What if everyone was as empathetic as you? What if everyone had as much jealousy in them as you have in you? What if everybody was as proud as you? What if everybody fought for peace as much as you fight for peace? What if everybody took revenge like you took revenge? Seventeen kingdom climate characteristics that we have got to work through. Not a series. This is a journey. This morning on the way out, the greeters are going to give you two pieces of paper cards. One is a little business card that you can put in your wallet, your purse, on your visor in your car so that you're constantly reminded so that when you're operating outside a kingdom climate, you can go, ooh, I missed that one. Another one is a bookmark, same thing, but it will enable you to see this on a regular basis. We Listen, listen. As a body, as a family, and I don't do this very often, so you know I mean it, as the leader of this body, how many times have y'all ever heard me play the pastor card? Not very often. But as your pastor, I'm telling you, we are fighting for this. Let me say that again so you hear me. As your pastor, we are fighting for this. Why? Because if we ever get this right, can I tell you what will happen in your life? The weather will change. 
can I tell you how this church will grow? We'll get, we'll get like 900 billboards and put them all over the city. Got no, I got no problem with billboards. We've used them. We put stickers on everybody's car. Only problem with that is every other church has stickers. We'll get on TV. Man, that'll get them all here. Man, half the stuff on TV I wouldn't go visit anyway. So what draws people? That's why they go to the club, because the club gets part of it. It's fake, but the, the devil always offers a fake, a perverted fake for the truth. So he gets part of it, and people are drawn to it. And when we get the real deal, Y'all going to be fighting for seats. But your climate individually sets the pace of the climate corporately. And so don't rail against weather that your climate produces. We got to do this together. Stand with me. Father, this morning. We need your help because this list is hard. There's stuff on here that I struggle with. God, I've I pray that you would spotlight for each of us the area that we struggle with. God, I just need to be honest. I struggle with blessing people that have hurt members of my family. I struggle to bless people that have talked bad about me. Sometimes I act like the judge. And I fantasize you to forgive me of that this morning and I pray that you change the climate of my life God I pray for each individual under the sound of my voice that corporately as individuals and coming together corporately as a family we would have a great commitment we would be desperate to establish kingdom climate as painful as it may be at times as hard as I know it's going to be at times I pray that each of us would strive to change the climate of our individual lives to line up with your word so that individually and then corporately the weather that we so long for of revival and the weather of deliverance and the weather of freedom and the weather of joy and the weather of blessing and the weather of peace would begin to roll in and people would run to this place as a place of safety and hope because 
some folks got together and decided that as comfortable as they've grown with waves, they've, they've made up their mind and they've become committed to speaking to the wind. Father, we speak against the wind this morning. Anything that is blowing in storms, anything in our climate that causes us to repeat painful and destructive cycles, I ask you to stop those things in the name of Jesus. Put people in our life that can speak to what we need to address. And God, I believe our greatest days are ahead. I pray that you'd give us the strength and the endurance to lay down our rights, to lay down our opinions, to lay down strife, and instead we would begin to fight for and operate in harmony. And we would not allow our preferences to become prejudices that keep people out. As long as it depends on me, I'll fight for peace. I ask that you would accomplish this hard, hard task here at Passion in each of us for your glory and for the sake of our children and our children's children. In Jesus' name. Will you end like this this morning with me? Would you just reach over and take your neighbor by the hand, look them square in the eye and say, we can do this. It's going to be a fight, but we can do this. Come on, tell them. Come on, tell them. We can do this. And you may be seated. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.